Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Tune the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the mums, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been yeah. This is the Black Country Blokes Tune of Fat about everything it is mental health, addiction, disability, and life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and our partner in crime, Lee Cadman. And today we're joined by the brilliant Ed Flanagan. Now you might recognise Eddie, come on. Oh, I don't know, I'll, I'll lose all concept of time. But he'd come on with his mate, John Reed, talking about prison and, you know, how, how, life, how life can lead you down one way and take you on another. And I think Ed will come on in a bit and I'll tell you all about his life, but we're not focusing on the bad he's done. Yes, we can give you a taste of it, but the rehabilitation. And that's what he's done. And we've become good friends. We talk to each other and he's, he's put some videos, his artwork to some of my poems. And I will be sharing them over the next few days because Mental Health Week, and I'll be sharing them on social media. So, Ed, brother, thank you first of all for coming on. Thank you. You're welcome, brother. I, I love doing this stuff. I love what you're doing and your message. So, cool. Well, what we like to do is we always like to remind ourselves on our podcast or on our radio show on Black Country Extra of what we're grateful for. What we're grateful for, me, I'm grateful we had a boxing show. Um, on Sunday, all my lads and girls come out safe. I'm grateful that so many people turned up and supported Lions ABC. And uh, yeah, I'm grateful for having a great community around me. Lee, what you were grateful for? Oh, that's similar to yours. Um, I'm very lucky enough that um, Kev invited me many years ago now to be a coach at the boxing club. And it, it was great after over two years of not having a boxing show to be able to get back in the corner and um, watch, watch these children and men and women achieve their dreams yeah 2019 our last one so it's flown by hasn't it yeah well <laughs> well no <laughs> it's like having teeth pulled backwards uh, and ed what are you grateful for brother uh sobriety and the creative process i mean that's like, sobriety i mean i always said it's 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 difficult to get clean and sober it's extremely difficult to stay clean and sober isn't it yeah, um, you have to put the work in. It's it's a philosophy, so it's it's all aspects of your life. So it can be quite daunting at times. But um, the alternative is addiction. So it's what you put into it uh, is what you'll get out of it. I mean, you spent a lot, large portion of your life um, in prison, didn't you, Ed? Yeah, 20 years in total. Uh, a lot of that was tied to my addiction. But some of it was just messed up behaviour that I'd... Uh, learn through my life i mean the thing i learned most from your last interview when you come on and you were saying like prisons was it in the 70s where everyone was smoking weed and then there was the random drug test to come and they were aware that um weed stayed in your long in your body longer than heroin and that's when the heroin epidemic um kicked off in prisons um yeah it weren't weed it, it was hash weed was too smelly it was too bulky and really it wasn't that prevalent in the white community it was in the black community which i was involved in so i knew about weed but most people then it was hash and so yeah yeah hash was the drug of choice in prisons it then became 
heroin, it's now spice, other psychotropic drugs and cannabis and heroin. And it's people, unless you've been around addiction or had an addiction, are very easy to judge it, aren't they? But it's so easy to get into, so difficult to get out of. Yeah, I mean, it's called addiction for, for a reason. It's not a hobby. It's not something you plan to get into. It's the end result of not dealing with issues, in my humble opinion. Um, so in order to find sobriety and keep it, you have to deal with those underlying issues that you used to drink and use on and act out on. And that's not easy. And uh, I, I, I don't know of anyone who's trapped in addiction who stops them at, at the first time if that was the case it wouldn't be addiction in my case it's all about i don't know anywhere between 20 and 100 tries i, I haven't got a scooby how many times they were that prevalent 15 to 20 rehabs 20 years in and out of jails um recidivism institutionalized um my my addiction kept me tied into the criminality uh, luckily, I managed to educate myself, and so when I eventually put down my addiction, I had the tools to enable my, myself to survive outside of criminality. And in my chosen field, it's restorative justice, and uh, the process, the, the creative process, and how, how that can be a pathway out. It was my pathway out, and I can teach that to other people. Hopefully. So what was it? What was the turning point for you, Ed? What what made you know that's a it's a long time to spending in and out mm-hmm. of prison and a long time to to have that addiction. Was there was there a moment that I don't know you you thought clearly and and all of a sudden you you wanted to get clean, you didn't want to be in jail, or was there something that actually happened within your life? Yeah, uh, when my daughter was twelve, I let her down so badly, and uh, that, that that had enough effect on my life and and me as a person to try to change my life uh, it took me another four years to get sober from that point but then i did that was 16 years ago um so i'm 16 years down that road and uh, part, part of the reason of what i do is it puts into context my behavior to other people who didn't know about the issues that i had they just saw this crazy man who was doing all this crazy stuff and uh, they made their own judgment so uh, I do it because it heals me. The, the creative process is a healing thing for me um, because I talk about the issues that I've overcome. That takes power out of them. It also, I, I, I can be quite objective about my old self because I'm 16 years on, on my new path, my new way of life. So with hindsight, education and my skill set as an artist, I then studied um, digital technology to appeal to the modern audience. I was a portrait artist all my life. Um, so I just changed the medium. I'm also a musician, so I, I, I know what what goes together to put together a performance because the stuff I do are three-minute videos and they're conversation pieces, but I approach it as a performance and that allows me to be subjective and hopefully entertaining. Because there's always been this thing with artists, musicians, are more drawn to the darker sides of life. <laughs> well, it's very attractive. Um, I'm, I'm dyslexic. I'm borderline OCD and uh, autistic spectrum. I wouldn't say I'm autistic, but I have autistic traits. Um, but I, I embrace those because the, 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 my, my miswire in my head makes me the artist I am, and it gives me empathy, and I, I make videos about those specific issues. I work with the British Dyslexia Institute. I make videos about dyslexia. 
I make videos about autism. Um, the coolest person I know in this world after my daughter is a, is my, my great nephew, Harry. He's autistic, um, but it, yeah. So we have to embrace something that's different to the norm and then cater to that from the, for, for, from the standpoint of the person with, with that. I don't like using the word disability or antisocial behaviour. There's no such thing as antisocial behaviour. There's behaviour that is um, flagged as antisocial, but it's social for millions of people, whether we like it or not. Just look at Nanny Council Estate. Um, so don't take a rocket scientist to work it out that we, we, we have to change that we, the way we engage with people who are going through difficult times. And art is one way. And I think that is something it's so easy to, you know, he's having a rough time. But we, uh, we've collaborated on a, a couple of my poems, haven't you? And you've put uh, some videos to them. Yeah, I love it. See, I, I spark. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like to create stuff just, just for the process and to express myself. But I work better under the confines of a remit. So uh, I heard you, I read your poetry and I thought, yeah, that's really cool. So then the artist in me took over and whatever images, your amazing poem set off in my dyslexic brain another part of me took over and put images to it and it connected us you know what i mean uh, i appreciate what you did I, I just put another dimension to it so therefore i i i got some self-worth out of that um i made a connection with you and that's what it's about uh, it's about what you do as well we're just connecting with people on through a, a, a different way a different medium um and through that we can use that vehicle to then hopefully um, pass on the lessons that we've learned Someone once explained to me about addiction, said the opposite of addiction is connection. And when you connect with positive people instead of negative people or connecting with positive situations, then you become positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like I, I, I had a podcast come out today and we talked about, uh, I did a video and it's uh, uh, show me your friends and i show you your future because mm. uh, that's something that I believe in. So I surround myself with positive people. That influences me as a person. Um, and yeah, I, I really enjoy that. That's the main reason I do what I do because it, it gives me a, a, a voice, and I, I try to use it in a positive way. Where, where can you find that podcast, um, Ed? Um, if you go on YouTube, type in Ed the Head Flanagan. Um, Ed is E double D. Flanagan is F L A N A G A N. Ed the Head Flanagan. You'll see my channel that I've just set up and just starting to publicise and just got my work in. Sorry, the link's also scrolling across the bottom to the YouTube channel, but it's a lot of uh, letters and numbers, so um, <laughs> you're probably better <laughs> off just searching I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, if you go on LinkedIn or Facebook, uh, I'm under Edmund Flanagan. I'm only Edmund when I'm naughty. or uh, <laughs> so Everybody calls me Eddie or Ed. And I, I, I created a character called Ed the Head in order to be able to comment on, on stuff that, that, that I find uh, interesting. Um, if I did that as a person, as Edmund Flanagan, I'd, I'd be held up for, for hate speech and stuff. And rightly so. But uh, this character, Ed the Head, that I've invented, and he's, I've got an animation company called Ed the Head Animations. As Ed the Head, I, I just comment on stuff that I have experience of. And... Uh, 
two things within our society, uh, comedians and artists, we hold up uh, society to itself. And uh, if we can't do that, then that, that's because we've become a different, we're not a democracy anymore. We need to poke fun at, at stuff in life, but we also need to draw attention to the failings within our systems. And nobody's perfect. So stop looking for perfection, look for potential, and let, let, let's all get our heads together. And bit, instead of apportioning blame, let's concentrate on solutions. There's, there's a big actual, I suppose, uprising to try and stop comedians doing that, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially comedians. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're right. You need to be able to... A, a comedian will open up that conversation, whether it's yeah. right or wrong, and, it, and then it leads to debate. I think we're treating, yeah, we'll treating comedians like politicians. We've yeah. got it wrong. Well, He's there trying to blame us. Whereas the politician, if he's obnoxious or if he's um, uh, a racist or if he, whatever, racism is never the key anyway. But, you know, when a politician is caught doing something wrong, then he should be accountable. A comedian is there to poke at nerves, to be controversial and to get a buzz out of us. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and let's be honest, uh, our politicians need, need, need being brought to account. Um, but uh, it's like Ho Chi Minh, who, who was a communist leader, to, to put it mildly, he said all art is propaganda and it's true, so whatever we're fed by the government is what they want, to, want us to believe. Personally, I, I, I don't support that narrative. Um, I'm not taken in by the hype. Uh, I've earned my place at the table. I'm not here. I'm not a bit of PR. I mean, because I believe in what I do. And I hold politicians and society in general up to, the, to account because that's what artists do. And when people refer to me now, it's not as a pisshead or, or a criminal. It's as an artist, uh, and I hold that dear to my heart. It gives me an identity, a positive identity. Sorry, there's been a lot of years for you to grow into that, hasn't there? And a lot of struggles mm. along the way. Yeah. So I think you've yeah, kind yeah, of earned yeah. the right to be called an artist. Yeah, I'll, I'll thank you. That's, that's very kind of you. But I, I, I've I've been influenced by loads of people around me, such as yourself, Gethin Jones, my partner, John Reed. All these people are putting stuff back into their community. I started my community interest company. So at the moment, I'm part of other, other people's projects. When my funding comes through, I will be doing my own projects, and as well as working with other people, because uh, that's cool. I mean, I'm I'm ambitious as an artist. I'm confident as an artist, as a man, not, not so much, but I can blag it. Um, but I'm authentic, I'm real. People say to me, you're really blunt about your past. Uh, I have to be. Um, my, my recovery, my, my sobriety depends on me staying honest as soon as I... I come from a big family. Uh, you mean, uh, I'm one of nine kids. Uh, my daughter's grown up. If I start talking bullshit and I start pretending to be something I'm not, they're going to pull me back down to earth. And I need that. We all need that. Um, but they also give, give give me the freedom to express myself, and that they, they, they trust in my judgment now, and, and that's taken sixteen years to get that basically. Cool. So, yeah. So, what what would you say to someone's family who are going through the mill, and they've got someone in the family with addiction or whatever? What would you say to? Would you be supported? Do you enable them? Yeah. yeah well, 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 put my email out uh, along with this. So, uh, well, put my email up. Send me an email. Um, whatever the subject, because I talk about a lot of subjects, but whatever it is, send me an email. If I don't know the answer, I'll put you in contact with somebody who does. Um, 
at the head of the, he, he hasn't got a scooby about what he's doing, but he knows a man who does. So I can always call upon somebody else's experience. Um, I've, I've got quite a lot of it myself. I've, I've had an eventful life. But now it's not about my past. That's just a reference point. It's about what I'm doing for the last 16 years and going forward. It's what we do as a society. So, And I like that. It gives me a purpose. So it's cool. And I think you said something earlier saying like, um, and John Collins said this, one of our good friends and guests who's been on. And he says, isn't it funny who you look up to when you're younger and you see him and he's got his, he's got his big gold chain or he's driving a nice car or he's got the girls or he's got the boys or he's got this. And then you think, I want to be like him. So you imitate him. But it's not until you get older and you've been for the race yourself, you're thinking that he's not happy. And it's, I'm definitely not happy doing this. It's not until you actually pursue your own happiness that you become a happy person. Yeah, yeah, it's all about karma. If if you do bad stuff, it, it, it's going to come back on you. Do good stuff, you've got more chance of good stuff happening. But um, that's life lessons. I learned it very late. I was 49 when I turned away from the dark side. Um, and I've had an incredible journey. First five years were a nightmare. I was two years sober. My brother, Tom, I, I, I've buried five siblings. I, buried my, I laid my sister to rest last week. I celebrated her life. I've done that five times now. Um, so that puts life into perspective and what I do into perspective. Um, but I'm not here to talk about my sadness. I'm here to talk about positive stuff. But I, I, I will do videos around grief because it, it, it will heal me and hopefully it will give other people an outlet. So use, use our experiences, good or bad, and, and try to use those to, to, to build character. We can all do bad stuff on a good day. It's when we're having a bad day and still do do it right. You know what I mean? That, that, that's the challenge. So whatever we can store up for the bad days to get us through those, yeah, let's do it. And I think you do it because you're a good person. You don't do it because you want to thanks. Cool. Cool. Thank you for saying that. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I can be very hedonistic, very, very selfish, but this heals me. This is my recovery. This is the most important thing in my life is my recovery because everything comes from that. The most important people in my life uh, are amazing. I come from a big family. Didn't really have a father figure, but I, I had loads of siblings. I, I, I've had strong women in my life. The two strong women in my life now probably are my daughter and my sister, Anne. Um, they're strong women, you mean? I've also got strong men. I've got my brothers as examples, even though they've passed. And my brother, Pat, now, he's, he's an example to me. He's, he's a mentor, same as my sister. Well, we're a family, and my nieces and my nephews, and uh, they, they like the stuff I'm doing now. It's better than the crazy stuff. It don't make them laugh as much, maybe, but yeah. So, <laughs> and like with addiction, because we had someone on, um, Matt Smith. Smith, Matt yeah. Smith, and he come on talking about alcoholism and gambling addiction. And, yeah, um, yeah, there's loads of addiction, brother. We could be here all night. Yeah, but <laughs> and he, but he was saying he goes because um, some people see addiction as a di a disease, and I said I personally, and it could upset people. I don't see it as a disease. I see like meningitis, cancer, Parkinson's as disease. And he goes, I agree with you. It's a form of mental health, but instead of a disease, it's disease with yourself. I have a certain dis-ease with being Kevin Dillon. And that mm. I agree with, because I think when we start, and this is only my opinion, and I'm sorry if it offends anyone, but it's an opinion. I personally don't think of it as a disease. I think it's a, a mental health, definitely, but not yeah, a disease. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, 
Psychopathy isn't really used enough in order to show why people behave the way they do. In my addiction, from the age of, say, 16 to the age of 49, I was psychotic for a lot of that of that time because I, I took copious amounts of, of drugs, drunk copious amounts of alcohol, did every crazy thing under the sun, and pretty soon I, 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 I was psychotic um, because... I wasn't eating, I was doing all, all this stuff, my body gave in, and then my mind gave in. Um, but because I was in the subculture and I was in prisons, I, I was sectioned twice under, uh, under the Mental Health Act because my behaviour was so antisocial, so sociopathic, and, uh, and I needed to be sectioned because I became so ill from the drugs and everything that I used to try to prop myself up. Because addiction's all about smoke and mirrors. You never show your, your real self. And, and, and that can be really tiring, and anxiety overtook me. Um, I, I'm 11 and a half years sober now, but I still take anti-anxiety medication. Uh, why? Because it, I believe it helps keep me well. Um, it doesn't alter my mood now, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I, I, I've had 16 years to work out uh, what's good for me and what isn't is, is different for every person. If people try to do it the way I've done it, they're going to die. It's a miracle I survived. Um, I'm more of, more of a warning than an example, but uh, if people like myself, that's cool. And uh, I, yeah, what would you say? Because I've known people in psychiatric hospitals and in prison, and often a lot of the people in psychiatric units say, "I was treated better in prison. I had more rights." How was your experience of that? I got chucked out the side <laughs> at one stage. <laughs> I'd gone. I was on this psychiatric unit. I'd had a party with about twenty people on the ward the night before till about four in the morning and the day staff come in and all the big 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 people up in the hospital and they called me in the room and they said uh mr flanagan there's nothing we can do for you here you're an acute alcoholic and addict you have no respect you have no decorum you are a drain on the resources and even though we don't know what you're going to do we ain't going to do it for you here because you're you're bringing other people down. And I thought, yeah, that, that that's about right. Actually, I've got chucked out of a mouse for being too mad. So I went out, got into trouble, went to call, and they went, "Listen, you're off your trolley." I said, "I know, I was in hospital, but they chucked me out." And they said, "Well, we're sending you back there for three months. They can't chuck you out." So I went back there for three months and ripped the bollocks out of it. I was out every night partying. <laughs> I get a message, take him back to the hospital. They take the call, and they went, "No, he's on a three month section." I, I, I was happy as a pig in shit. But, I mean, there, there comes a day of reckoning. Uh, and I lived for the moment, and I did that every single day of my addiction. And I, I'm ashamed to say everything else came secondary to that. But the good news is when you put that addiction down, that energy, that that, that drive, that, that thing that got you out of the darkness can, can be the driving force to make you a success in whatever you go into. So, Like that's you, that's what you do, brother. Both of you, I, you know, I love what you do. But you know someone who's just gone sober, no matter what they're on, what would you say with them? Because them, them first couple of days, weeks, months... Live and learn. Live and learn. And uh, as, I, as I said, when when my brother Tom died, I, I went back to heroin. I mean, I didn't see that coming. And then when I dealt with that, I became ill, so the doctors started throwing pain medication at me, so I got addicted to legal pain medication. Ripped the bollocks out of that, nearly died, uh, ruined, ruined my marriage. Um, by the time I got my act together, it was too late. I'd lost my second marriage. Um, 
I, I, I got well too late for some stuff, um, but uh, I'm well now and I'm healing the relationships that I still have. What I do puts into context for people who care about me and for the viewer, hopefully, into context why people behave like they do sometimes. I'm not excusing it. I'm not minimising what I did. I'm not saying I, I'm not accountable for the stuff I did. I still am and I, I have to live with that. But I'm part of the solution now, not the problem, and I, I stick with that. I don't affiliate myself with any particular religion because of the connotations of that. Um, but I have got a spiritual path and I believe in God, but that's not for public debate. I don't feel the need to share that. If people want to share that with me on a one-to-one -one or on a platform about that particular subject, fine. But apart from that, no, this is what I do. And if you like it, cool. If not, go to the next uh, button and press play. And I think that's the key is when you can say, I'm not excusing what I did. I can apologise. Yeah. But I did it, and uh, I always say this, this story about a, a boxer. I had him boxing, lots of close fights. He leaned over the ropes and said, Kev, I haven't done enough. I went, I don't think you have either. He's going to, by the time he got out the ring and got to the change room, he'd walk past five people going, you had that, you know, you got robbed. He went, I got robbed tonight. I went, no. The lad in the ring was willing to learn because he accepted he could do things better. The kid in the change room, he's blaming everyone else. He will never learn. And it, that, it's a short little story, a true one, but that's it. If we're blaming everyone for my failings, then I will never get better. When I can accept, I can change things and I can make a difference, that's when I'll become a better person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I deserved everything I got and more, um, but I survived it. Uh, yeah. And if listen, what I'm doing now is easy. I've, I've done the hard work, bro, you know what I mean? And I continue to do it. But the stuff I'm doing now is funny. It's art. You know what I mean? People at a portion of a status of you work really hard. And I do work really hard at what I do. I, I do amazing hours. But it's not work. It's not work when you're passionate about what you're doing. It's fun. It, 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 it's why I'm still sober. I do what I do in order for my life to, to remain and grow. I don't, I, I'm not happy with the status quo. I want to change it. If you want to make enemies, try changing something. And that's what I'm doing. I don't want to copy other people. I think I've got enough about me as an artist to do my own thing. And combined with my story, it's redemptive. So hopefully combining them two will, will raise my profile and help me then to raise people's profiles like yours and uh, Film Crew for you and John Reed and all the other amazing people I work with. What What? things to want to happen next when it's CIC and the funding comes in what's your yeah. big ideas I'm, I'm, well my next two or three years is fully booked as I say I'll have the funding so I'm doing my own projects later on this year June July I'm going down to Portsmouth to work with film crew for you and Billy big shout out Billy love you bruv uh, we're going to make a short documentary and we're going to show it at a recovery festival in November in Portsmouth uh, talking to Billy today, he, I, I love that man. Uh, not, not just because he's in recovery, he, he, he's bright, he, he's key to whatever he does. It's the way he handles himself and he brings people on board and he uses his experience as a filmmaker to mentor people, to show them that there is another way. And I, I think that's really cool. So I'm going to go down there. He's going to teach me some tricks about filming. When my funding comes through, I'm doing my own project. So we've got that documentary coming out at Cinema and Recovery Festival. Um, and then I'm also working with the Scottish Police Service. I, I, I won a little design thing. And so they're going to use my design. They're putting the team together now so I can deliver my, my, my project as part of the team. 
working with the chief constable, his aides, Davey. Nice one, Davey. Um, they're putting a the team together now and delivering that at one location at a Scottish police station. Tries to change a harsh environment by using the design that, that, that I put forward and they liked. Um, and to turn a cold place into, into a more, if for want of a better word, positive vibe by influence, by colour, by images, and by telling a, a story um, through the artwork that's going to appear on the walls. If we do that and it's uh, received well, we go back to the Scottish Police Service Commission and we'll take that nationally. That will raise the profile of what we do, the Scottish Police Service. It will tell the community stories. So I'll be working with communities. That will raise my profile. That will then allow me to monetize what I do and do commissions for other people to because what I do now, my company is a community interest company that it's non profit. Anything I get, I use to deliver my projects free to communities. They don't pay me. I don't ask the community to pay me for delivering this stuff. I do it through my funding. It doesn't interfere with my benefits because I'm classed as disabled. I've got two bone conditions and my feet and hands don't work probably. So society said to me, go and stay on the sick for the rest of your life. And I, I thought, no, I ain't doing that. So I do things within the rules. At some point, if I can monetize it to the stage where I can come off benefits, that's the ultimate goal. If it doesn't happen like that, then uh, I will pass away on one of my projects with a big smile on my face. That's the plan anyway. <laughs> I bet uh, 15, 20 years ago, you didn't expect to be walking into a police station and um, for good, <laughs> did you? <laughs> well, you, know, you know what was really cool? Because the, the, the commissioner of, of, of the Scottish Police Service, he's, a, he's only a young dude and he's really cool. And uh, his aide was all done up in the uniform and blah, blah, blah. Davey, as I say, he, he's a really nice guy as well. Commissioner was a young guy, casually dressed. And I, I connected with him because I want to use silhouettes to tell the story of the community and, and and to give some positive images in another wild, sterile environment. Um, and in the public air, public areas, tell the community story. So it's all about community. It's all about putting a positive slant on stuff, uh, raising everyone's profile to plow back into the social media stuff. Because I, I make digital content, content for social media now. It's in its early stages. But that will be monetized at some point. Um, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because uh, I love what I do. And I'm clean. I'm sober. When I say I'm clean and sober, I don't drink at all. Uh, issues around drugs, I deal with them on a daily basis. It's, it's manageable now. But I've had 16 years to put things into perspective. I take the minimum I have to take to keep myself well enough to do what I do. Because my body's got the ump of me. Everyone keeps saying to me, Eddie, you look so well. And, and it's true, I do, but probably than any other time in my life. But underneath uh, all, all, all these props is, is a body falling to bits. But that, that, that's cool. It's not going to defy me. It's not going to stop me doing what I'm doing. I'm too stubborn uh, to, to go that route. Well, that's great. I will share yeah. some of those videos that you've done for me uh, over okay. as things. Um, I love doing them. I, I learned so much about you, and the people watch the videos to learn about me. So it, it's symbiotic. It, 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 it's, it's it's cool. It's working together, isn't it, bro? You know, bro. Yeah. Now, now you know this week is Mental Health Awareness Week, yeah. uh, and obviously we're all about the mental health. What would you say to someone out there who's too ashamed to admit they've got some form of mental health, be it addiction, depression, anxiety, OCD? It's a suitcase full. What would you tell that person? Engage. Engage with somebody like myself or you, somebody else on social media. They won't turn you away. They won't laugh at you. 
we we've been through that i mean i i still deal with depression and anxiety uh, and grief and all those things i just don't turn to drugs and alcohol to to take that away what i do takes it away um so and then we will put them in with with the relevant organization I, I work with prisons probation departments late this year with schools i make stuff that goes out on prison tv as i say i'm making a documentary so anything we do it takes us further along in our journey and hopefully increases the audience awareness and i do it in the style that that, that they like because i'm not trying to be anybody else i don't want to i don't want to be a better version of something i've seen i want i want to be the best version of what i am so I, I'm not trying to copy anybody else. If you like my stuff, cool. If you don't, then the, t the two best feedbacks I've ever got. I'll tell you them now. Two words there are. First one was shite. <laughs> and, 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 and that's cool because some people aren't going to get what I do. So I thought, yeah, I've got to remember that. So I, uh, I'm not precious about my work. I'm proud of it. But uh, I learned from feedback, good or bad. And uh, a couple of days ago, a friend of mine, Andrew Mulhaney, who you know, who's an yeah, author. Yeah. So he's a social influencer within the criminal justice system. I don't like Gethin says. I don't like to call it the criminal justice system. It's just the justice system. There's no such thing as antisocial behaviour. It's all behaviour. It's just the behaviour of a minority. That's why um, they say riots are, are, are the language of the unheard. That was Martin Luther King. So I think that's really cool stuff like that and, and he did it by being himself so hopefully i can do that not that i'm trying to be martin luther king i'm trying to be ed the head do you know what i mean um when, when i'm doing my artwork but as a man i engage with people as well so but that's not what we're here about today. it's about ed the head and uh, what he does so i love talking about him because it's fun you know what i mean i've got an alter ego <laughs> it's pretty cool i can i can blame him for everything it weren't me it was at the head so yeah sorry sorry to cut in there ed but we've, we've had a question uh come in i'll bring it up on the screen in truth yeah i don't i'm not sure if, if any of us will be able to answer this so we're not obviously not doctors um but so we bear with me be on second let's bring this up on the screen so everyone can see it. what's up sorry read it out, thinks it's yeah i'll read it yeah so is there a difference between antidepressants and anxiety medications i couldn't tell you to be honest myself Do you i'm know? not sure. uh, it's, it's uh, basically same meat different gravy it depends why you're using them and what you're hoping to get out of them um if you want a medical de definition then then google it if you want a practical uh, uh insight into it then google someone like me who's been through it and they get that opinion and that's what i'd suggest because you know sometimes people are so judged to go um i don't know search lean oh don't take it don't take it. and you go well hang on that might be the thing that i need that might be well i know if you if you take them you'll be on them for life well hang on maybe that that's just exactly what i need so don't be too judgmental of saying don't or i've got to it's your life see if they suit you if they don't suit you you know and just it's your it's your life isn't it dead yeah, I'll I, I tell you a little story, uh, a short one. I, re I used to read Christian books, not because I wanted to be saved, but because it was about naughty people. But I'd only read up to the part where they became Christians. I didn't re really want to read about that bit. I, f I found that sort of like just farcical. So what I did was, that that, that, that was my attitude. Now I, I, I read if I read a book and it's by somebody who's become a Christian, I will read the whole story because I'm interested in both sides of the journey. 
Um, I don't want to become a Christian. I, a lot of people, because I did a lot of work with churches, I was a member of a church called uh, Vine Life in my community. And I, I'm very cynical of religion. But I met a guy there called uh, Robert Lartman. He's the most gentle man I've ever met in my life. Now, loads of people who use religion for for personal reasons, especially pedophiles, but um, that's another matter. Robert is the most gentle man I've ever met in my life, and it's what I needed. And, and he showed me a way of dealing with her, and because I trusted him, I didn't have to compete with him. Mm. Um, and I admired him so much because I, I, I saw the way he treated his family, the way people treated him, the way he was, and I loved... I, I just loved the guy and he was really gentle with me and he went, look, Ed, you, you've got one way of dealing with it. Let me show you another way. And I became a member of that church because of Robert, not because of the faith they followed. And I met these amazing people who for the next 10 years nurtured me. I also saw a lot of hypocrisy. So, but what I did was I took the good stuff and when it came time to leave, when I couldn't do that anymore, I pulled Rob to one side. I said, I love you, bruv. Um, but, uh, this as far as this part of my journey takes me. Uh, I, I'm not turning me back on, on my God, my personal God, my higher power. I'm just not going to do it with, with with your church. But it's not because I'm judging you. It's, it's just because I, I, I've never found a faith that, that, that suits me. But I, I'm attracted to spiritual people and genuine people. Uh, I, I'm not a guru, but I, I, I'm honest about the way I walk now. Uh, to a certain point, listen, none of us are angels, uh, and I've got stuff I have to deal with on on a daily basis. I just deal with it in a different way now. And as I, I, I said, my, my, my rule of thumb is my daughter. I want my daughter to be proud of whatever she sees that I do from now on. Uh, and if I don't think I'm doing myself proud of, I'm being a bit of an idiot or, or just be disappearing up my own arse, you will tell me. And so my sister Anne and my brothers and my sisters and my nephew. And I think we all need that. Accountability is important. It just depends what you're accountable to. I think you've got to find, we did a cartoon on this years ago, finding your, your antidote, you know, your love, your circles, your meditations, your, if you need medication, your religion, your, religion, religion yeah. uh, your family, your friends, your podcast, whatever it is. Finding what's good for you, but often when we're in that 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 dark room, we go towards the poison, the drink, the drugs, the gambling, the pornography, the hostile relationships, the toxic relationships, and it's. I think when you're on this journey that all three of us are, and I imagine a lot of our listeners are, is when you start to spot the poison and the antidote. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and, and that's what we do. Ho hopefully, we help spotlight that. Um, through our own experiences and our own stories, it's it's about us because that that's the focal point. But it's really about our message, and uh, yeah, long may it last. So Ed, we're going to leave in a bit before I ask you for your quote or saying that's helped you get through life. Is there anything you want to say while we're here? Um, yeah, I just want to dedicate this to my sister Peg. Uh, I, I love you, darling. I'll see you down the road. And have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? Uh, if it, <laughs> show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Well, brother, thank you ever so much for coming on. I look forward to uh, working with you some more. So, yeah, guys, you, so guys, in, hope you've enjoyed that. So until we see each other next time, I want you all to take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra bit. Bye. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show.
But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta bit. Listen, listen. 